You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That was special. Welcome back to Locked on Rockets, your home for daily and post-game commentary on your Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790. If you followed me on Twitter last night, I said there probably would not be an immediate post-game show tonight because of the late game. Well, as happened during the Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright negotiations, I lied. I didn't do it intentionally. But folks, when you have a win as positive as this one was for the Rockets, you've got to talk about it. The Rockets, just a remarkable 96-85 win over the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City. The Rockets now 47-13 and on the year, winners of 13 in a row. The Jazz fall to 31-30, and but the Jazz entered this game having won 12-13. of In that streak was a 30-point beatdown of the Warriors. And by the way, if the Rockets had lost this game tonight, even though it would have been a technicality, the Rockets and Warriors would have been tied in the loss column with 14 losses, the Warriors, by virtue of having played an extra game, would have been a half game up in the standings. So technically, you would have woken up to the talking head saying the Warriors were back in the one slot. Well, folks, the Rockets, despite every excuse in the book, did not let it happen. And that's why, to me, this game, really not even close, ended up winning by double digits, 96-85, to 85, goes right up there with Golden State, with San Antonio, with Cleveland, with any of the great wins the Rockets have had all season long. Because first things first, the injuries, you were without four rotation players, including two of your top four, and Eric Gordon and Clint Capella out due to illness. Then Ryan Anderson with a mild hip flexor situation, Brandon Wright with knee soreness. And I know Brandon Wright has not been a part of the rotation, but with Clint Capella out due to illness, well, Wright would have played. So essentially, you were without four rotation players tonight, and some of the Rockets on night two of a road back-to-back, both games in high altitude, as brutal as it gets in the NBA, not only one, but one going away. And there are a lot of storylines that you can look at with this, but I'm going to start with our boy Prince Luke Bamute. 17 points, 15 of them coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter, 17 points on 7 of 7 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, plus 16 in his 29 minutes for a second strike night, Luke Bamute, on a minimum salary, led the Rockets in plus-minus, and it was so fitting tonight that Luke got it done, because this was the epitome of a defensive game, and don't ever allow yourself, if you're a Rockets fan, to have someone from around the NBA convince you or get away with this laziness of, well, it's a Mike D'Antoni team, they won't play defense during the playoffs, or whatever. No, this team is different, they've been a top 10 defensive team all year long, they've actually been close to a top 5 defensive team in efficiency when they're healthy, and boy, that was on display tonight. If there's one cliche that you always hear throughout basketball, it's that defense travels. You hear this a lot at the high school and college levels, but it's appropriate at the NBA as well. And the reason they say defense travels is... Because when it comes to shooting, offensive execution, sometimes there's lots of randomness. If you're in your gym, if you're getting the whistles, but defense is the one thing. Even if your legs aren't all the way there, if your defense, if you have the ability to buckle down on that end of the floor, no matter what gym you are in, you should be able to get a win. And that's what happened in Utah. The Rockets, their 55-game streak of making at least 10 three-pointers in the game is now over. They made just 9 of 32 on Monday night in Utah, 28%. 
it doesn't matter because the Rockets limited the Jazz to just 85 points, including only 43, uh, excuse me, only 41, struggling with math, in the second half. That's even better in the first half when they limited to just 44. And even with the Rockets, they had their lowest first quarter output of the year, 19 points, lowest first half of the year with 39 Folks, they were within five. That's how good of defense they played. And so it's only fitting that Luke Bamute closed the door late with two threes, also drove to the rim, took advantage of a Jazz team that seemed befuddled by the small ball lineup that Mike D'Antoni put in there. We'll talk about that in the second half, uh, the second segment of our usual three points recap, I should say. But folks, this was a defensive game, again, against a Utah team. That came in winners of 12 of 13. Very quality team right in the middle of the Western Conference playoff picture. With Rudy Gobert in the middle. Donovan Mitchell who had 16 points on the perimeter. Ricky Rubio. It's a quality team with Quinn Snyder. One of the best, I would say, tactical coaches from an X's and O's standpoint in the NBA. And despite defending the Rockets well. Despite the legs not being there. We mentioned just nine made threes. That breaks the streak of 55 consecutive games with at least 10 threes. Which is twice as long as the uh, prior Longest such streak in NBA history. Despite Trevor Ariza, 3 of 13. P.J. Tucker, 0 of 7. That's 3 of 20 between them. Chris Paul, 5 of 13. Now, Chris did end up with 15, 6 and 6, which is solid. Hit a big shot down the stretch to kind of put the dagger in. James Harden, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 8 of 13 shooting. James overall was extremely efficient, but 7 turnovers. I think it was pretty clear that James did not have quite the same energy he had in Denver, as evidenced by only taking... 13 shots overall. This was not a game where you could reasonably expect James on night two of a back-to-back to take over like you would in, say, a 60-point triple-double game. But the Rockets did not need an offensive hero tonight. That's how good the defense was. And to give the Rockets credit, I think they recognized that they were limited offensively, and that's what great teams do. So when you hear the stereotypes, I know they're still out there, about Mike D'Antoni teams, about James Harden teams and defense, point to tonight. On night two of a road back-to-back, they didn't score 100 points. They didn't make 10 threes. They didn't have their usual efficiency. All the things we've discussed lately with the the long rotation, helping everyone be more efficient, that was out the door tonight because a lot of guys were overextended. You can see that, as we mentioned, guys like Ariza, Tucker, their efficiency went down. And despite having every excuse in the book to call this a schedule loss, the Rockets got the win and are now 47-13 and with a 13-game winning streak. Just a remarkable showing, and it's only fitting that Luke Bamute is the hero, because everything you could ask from the Rockets tonight, up and down the roster, it was committed defense, they knew the shots weren't there, and folks, they made up for it, which is how hard they played on the defensive end, they limited the Jazz to just 43% from the field, below 25% from behind the arc, and they, without Clint Capella, actually out-rebounded 40-39, a Jazz team featuring Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors up front. Think about that. Two of the biggest, baddest guys in the league in terms of a collaborative front line were out-rebounded by a Rockets team without Clint Capella, their best big man. Without Ryan Anderson, actually been one of the better contributors on the glass lately. That's how much the Rockets wanted this game. That's what great teams do. And ultimately, when it comes to getting the one seed, games like this are as important as beating the Warriors, because these are classic schedule losses. And whereas the Warriors lost by 30 in a fairly similar setting a couple of weeks ago in Utah, the Rockets got a double-digit win. That's why this team, even with Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, Brandon Wright all out, is still so special, even on night two of a road back-to-back at altitude.
Now, I wanted to lead by discussing the defense because certainly Luke Baamute was the story down the stretch. But let's also give credit to Mike D'Antoni. I mentioned him a couple of times in that initial segment because we all know the stereotypes that are out there about Mike D'Antoni's history. Defense in the playoffs, close games, half-court setting. Well, first off, this past month, as one of my followers pointed out today, the Rockets are actually undefeated in February, and they are ranked 30th in the league in pace, dead last. So even though Mike D'Antoni wants to play fast, he's willing to change his system if that's what's for the betterment of his players. We've certainly discussed in the past how Chris Paul seems to be a half-court player. Also, there have been a few injuries of late. Now you've added more veterans like Joe Johnson. And the bottom line with Mike D'Antoni, he gets a rep for his system. And to some degree, that's how he wants to play. But he is not a one-trick pony. He has shown a willingness to adapt when necessary. And so I think the slower pace... We should have seen that last night. There was some evidence of that because Denver was the team that ultimately, when it got fast, had so many transition runouts with their stable of just young athletes, seemingly limitless. But the Rockets, they executed in the half court late. Now tonight in Utah, much the same story. The Rockets executed in the half court. Actually, it was Luke Bamute. who mentioned, of course, his defense, which is always there, one of the elite perimeter defenders in the NBA, but his willingness to attack the cup. That's so underrated because the Jazz, without Capella, they were hugging out extra close on the three-point line on those shooters that opened up the lane. And so Luke Baumute made them pay late in the game by slashing the bucket. That's something that if you follow the Rockets lately, maybe you should have seen it coming. But ultimately, it paid off for the Rockets in a big way down the stretch because they adjusted to the adjustment. But bigger picture, Mike D'Antoni, what I think you should take out of this is that his style of offense is not as simplistic as a lot of the narratives want to make it seem. And not just his style of offense, I would say his style of coaching. You think of him as up and down, run and gun. Well, folks, they've been the slowest paced team in the NBA this month, but they're not messing with it because it works, because it suits Chris Paul, especially with the injuries to all the other guys the Rockets have had. They've had to lean a little bit more on Chris Paul. Well, they played slower, and the Rockets are winning because of it. Then you look at the adjustment that Mike D'Antoni made in the fourth quarter. Without Clint Capella and without Brandon Wright, they seemed a little lost at defending Rudy Gobert earlier in the game. Tarek Black, the height wasn't there. Nene, for whatever reason, he missed a lot of shots right at the rim. Now, Nene did finish with 9 points, 5 rebounds, plus 10 in his 20 minutes. But, folks, the efficiency was not there, especially in the fourth quarter. Fumbled away, actually had three turnovers in his 20 minutes, missed a couple of shots close. So, rather than try and force a square peg into a round hole, Mike and Tony did something totally unconventional. He played without a big at all against one of the NBA's most dominant interior difference makers in Rudy Gobert. And it worked. Depending on how you define the center, you could say it was Joe Johnson at times. You could say it was P.J. Tucker. You could say it was Luke Baamute. But folks, that adjustment left Rudy Gobert confused. And part of the driving lanes that Luke Baamute had, we mentioned the Jazz hugging out on the three-point shooters, that opened up a little bit. Well, part of it was because Rudy Gobert was exposed because Rudy Gobert, despite all of his strengths, is not cut out to move side to side laterally. It was a great adjustment by Mike D'Antoni because this was a situation with the headwinds the Rockets faced, all the injuries, Night 2 rode back-to-back, Chris Paul, James Harden, not really having it in them to just do a superhuman act to take them down the stretch. I don't know if you could beat the Jazz straight up, just asking them to, in the half court, dissect just the usual one through five, that elite Jazz defense. So you know what? D'Antoni turned the tables on Quinn Snyder. You think of Quinn Snyder being one of the better tacticians in terms of 
making in-game adjustments. Well, Mike D'Antoni made a tremendous one in the fourth quarter, didn't really tip his hand beforehand, not playing a center, and the Jazz, for several minutes, looked befuddled. They did not know how to react to that, and ultimately that's how the Rockets got the lead to double digits and held on to win, 96-85. So the things you hear about Mike D'Antoni, about him being too stubborn, one way to play, well, folks, tonight shattered that on multiple levels, and really this entire month has. Need to play slower? They did that. They need to change their game plan on the fly. They did that tonight. Mike D'Antoni, there's a way that he wants to play, and it goes against many of the conventional narratives of basketball. So there are some in the power structure that don't like him. But when you actually look at his track record, he is more adaptable than you think. And I think what he did tonight, folks, it was a it was a defense win, certainly, but it's also a coaching win. Because, folks, the Rockets, as elite as they usually are in offense, by efficiency, the greatest in the history of the NBA to this point, they weren't tonight. 96 points. I believe, what, they, certainly the double-digit three-point streak ended. Just 27% from behind the arc. 43% overall. This was far from the usual crisp offense that the Rockets portray. Yet, they got the win anyway. That's defense, and that's coaching. And for all the narratives out there to try and make the Rockets into a one-trick pony that will get exposed in the playoffs... Well, folks, the Rockets did not have that one trick tonight against a team that entered winning 12 of 13 and had beaten the Warriors by 30 as part of that stretch. And the Rockets not only got a win, got a win by double digits. So soak it in. It's a win for the players who clearly wanted this game, and that got them to 13 in a row, 46 and 13 overall. But it's a win for Mike D'Antoni as well. Now, the final segment of the show, I do want to discuss the injuries. We'll see what happens. The Rockets, thankfully, have a day off tomorrow. Now, they do play Wednesday night, nationally televised, I believe, against the Clippers in Los Angeles. It's the third in a four-night stretch, third game in a four-night stretch for the Rockets, all on the road. So I won't say they'll be fresh, but it's at least better than playing back-to-back. Now, what happens with the four that were out tonight? Because, folks, as inspiring as this was, you can't expect this to happen with regularity. You are going to run out of gas, even... Even as quality as the Rockets were tonight, it's amazing, and it shows you the depth that Gerald Morey has built, that even with four rotation players out, you still had nine viable NBA players, with Tarek Black starting at the center spot, and then Nene, Joe Johnson, Drill Green, and Luke Bamute coming in off the bench. That's not really sustainable. Now, Eric Gordon and Clint Capella, those are illnesses. Until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume that's fine. It's just a matter of giving them fluids. And Eric has missed... Three games now with his illness. I know that's a little concerning. We haven't had too many details because only one of those games has been at home. And because the first game that they were at home, it was the first game that Eric missed. None of us were that concerned. Now that it's been three games, there's a little more concern. I would urge some caution that because even though it's three games, it's three games in four nights. And the other situation with it being on the road, the excessive travel, limited sleep, road back-to-back altitude, there are some extenuating circumstances to where even if Eric's illness is minor, which most are, and until you hear otherwise, you're going to assume that, then you wouldn't want to push him tonight. With Clint, I'm assuming it's just the typical flu bug that can pass through a team from time to time, and if anything, it's smarter to not have those guys in the arena so they can't pass it to anyone else. seems possible maybe Eric passed it to Clint, although we don't know that. We don't know exactly what the nature of the illnesses are. But if anything, I think maybe you should be a little bit relieved because if you have any concerns about that Denver game, which is a little too close for comfort, the five-point win Sunday night, well, Clint Capella... 6.7 rebounds in 27 minutes against Nikola Jokic, had six turnovers in there, was a team-worst minus 10. Well, if he was feeling under the weather, then that's a very reasonable 
excuse for why he was below his usual high standards of production. So I'm not going to worry about those two. As far as Ryan and Brandon Wright, look, let's be real about Brandon Wright. The knee injury, yes, it's just one game. It could be a fluke. But Brandon Wright, over the course of his NBA career, and especially recently, he has been injury prone. You have to hope that in Houston, he's basically being asked to be the number three center, just occasionally chip in over Nene in certain situations that'll limit the injuries. But I'm not going to try and tell you guys that, well, don't worry about it. Now, I'll tell you not to worry about this specific injury because I don't know the specifics of it. But folks, Brandon Wright is injury prone. If he weren't, then I think he'd clearly have a regular role because you could see just by the 15 minutes he played in Denver, he can still be a very quality rotation player in the NBA. The reason he's not in a consistent rotation somewhere is because of his ongoing struggles with health. So even if this injury heals relatively quickly, it's something you're going to have to monitor with Brandon. I'm not going to say that, well, it's a fluke because if you look at his career, there have been too many of these. What I am going to tell you is that there's a reason he is being counted out not to even be the backup, but the number three in Houston. And maybe that's the ideal role for Brandon at this point in his career, and hopefully it is for the Rockets as well. With Ryan, we've joked a lot about the tip dunks he's had lately, the pirouette, the spin moves that he's had off the bounce. They've been fun. Apparently one of those, he strained his hip flexor. Typically a minor injury. We'll have to wait and see. The Clippers game, and then especially you get a couple of days off before coming home Saturday night for an ABC primetime game against the Celtics. I think for some of these guys that are actually injured, and by that I mean Ryan and Brandon, my guess is that you may see the Rockets wait until Saturday on them. That's a home game. This game on Wednesday, it's the third and four nights. Also, in the case of Brandon, you still have Nene, Clint Capella, if they get him fluids, and he's better. Certainly, Tarek Black is in there as well. So you could buy a couple extra days of rest if you wait until that Celtics showcase game. Also, the Clippers, not nearly as talented as the team as the Rockets. Yes, I know they're 2-0 against the Rockets this year, but there's some extenuating circumstances, as my regular listeners here at Lockdown Rockets uh, have heard me say ad nauseum. So I, w- I wouldn't really expect the injured guys back Wednesday. I think Saturday's a more reasonable target for them. And I would just note that with the Rockets being as deep as they are, until you hear more, I don't think it's really reasonable to panic over any individual injury because part of the benefits of having 12 players, you can be more cautious. You can tell Ryan Anderson, hey, whereas you would normally gut it out, well, we've got Joe Johnson that can fill some of those minutes. It's okay. And that's a big difference because, you know, I'm not going to say for sure I know there were injury issues with Ryan, but what typically happens over the grind of an NBA season, players have minor injuries, but many times they just kind of gut it out, they get some tape, they get sprayed, whatever you want to call it, and they play through because they know the consequences are, you know, if Ryan sits out earlier in the year, you're probably asking either Luke Bamute or P.J. Tucker, maybe both, to play 40-plus minutes, throw Trevor Ariza in there as well. Hell, some games you might even been asking for Joe Chi to play or something crazy like that. And so because of the extreme consequences, guys like Ryan or Trevor, whoever it may be, will just gut it out. Well, now you have more depth, you're able to sit Trevor Ariza for two-plus weeks off what was a pretty minor hamstring injury. Ryan, with this hip flexor, we don't know specifics. I'm sure they'll evaluate him more, especially when they get back to Houston after Wednesday's game. But the reality, I would not draw any conclusions because the Rockets are aware of that depth. And so because of that, you shut those guys down and hopefully that's how you keep them fresh. As opposed to you play guys through minor injuries, that's how you can lead to, to longer shooting slumps. If guys are playing hurt or maybe they develop some bad mechanics as a result of that. We saw Ryan Anderson go through a 20-plus game stretch this year where he shot below 30% from three and like 36% overall. We've seen Trevor Ariza gut through injuries in prior years in which he shot ghastly percentages, for him at least, closer to 30 
from behind the arc. And a lot of that's just by necessity, because for most NBA teams, you don't have the luxury of having 12, really 13, because let's throw Tarek Black in there tonight. Even if it wasn't a matchup in the fourth quarter because of Rudy Gobert, by and large, Tarek Black ended up with 8 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 of 8 shooting in 18 minutes. You'll take it. So, the bottom line, in the past, Rockets, a lot of these guys would gut it out. They don't have to now. So, Brandon Wright, yes, he's had an injury history in his career. You have to keep that in mind. But in terms of specific injuries for Brandon or for Ryan or the illnesses to Clint or Eric, I would not draw any conclusions out of them at this point in time. The Rockets, unlike 99% of NBA teams, they can take a long view now. They have enough depth to where they can do what nearly every other NBA team cannot which is be super cautious, and so hopefully because of that, when you see Ryan back on the floor next, be it Wednesday, Saturday, or some other time down the line, he's more efficient as opposed to guys who are trying to gut through injuries, fatigue, some combination of those, and then see dramatically reduced shooting numbers and efficiency numbers as a result. So rather than bemoan and worry those injuries, I would tell you guys to celebrate the depth that allows you that even with four regulars out, still have nine quality NBA rotation players, enough to get a double-digit win in Utah, and perhaps most amazingly of all that, folks, nobody even played more than 35 minutes tonight, and that was James Harden. Chris Paul at 34, Ariza at 33, Joe Johnson at 30. So folks, even with all the injuries, nobody played more than 35. Only three players even played more than 30, and that was Trevor, Chris, and James, your stalwarts. By the way, Joe Johnson's kind of under the radar, hashtag Joe Johnson revenge game in Utah, 30 minutes, 7 points, and 50% shooting. Also had 4 rebounds and a couple of big assists, including one to Trevor Reza in the corner for the 3 that I believe put the Rockets ahead in the second half. I'm not going to say it proves he's turned a corner or anything, but if there's a weakness that's out there about Joe Johnson, then you guys heard it from David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, out of my program a couple of weeks ago. Joe's numbers of the past couple of years have not been good on back-to-back scenarios. Well, when the Rockets needed him, folks, he came up big tonight. Big is relative, 7 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. It's nothing right home about, but putting up those numbers in 30 minutes on 50% shooting on night 2 of road back-to-back when the Rockets need every available body, it matters. And contributions like that are why the Rockets got the win. So rather, again, rather than bemoan the injuries, I'm not going to assume too much at this point in time. I'd say just celebrate the depth. Hat tip to Daryl Morey. This was a Daryl Morey win in every sense of the word because most teams are not ill-equipped to handle this type of schedule loss, this type of bleep happens game, which it certainly was for the Rockets with illness, injuries, all sorts of minor things just kind of coming together at once. Yet the Rockets got the win, and because of it, they're 96-85, and winners of a league-best 13 games in a row, heading into another matchup with the hated LA Clippers on Wednesday night at Staples Center. So until then, I will sign off. As always, thanks to you guys, my loyal listeners, for tuning in. If you want more from me or the show on a regular basis, the best place to find us is on Twitter. I'm at Ben DuBose. The show is at Locked and Rockets. Also, email LockedInRockets at gmail.com, facebook.com slash LockedOnRockets, or well, we're not forgetting. I know I'm forgetting something. Email, Facebook, oh, the website, LockedOnRockets.com, which we've had a couple of months now. So many places you can interact with us, find out information about this great basketball team, or ask me questions, uh, suggestions for the show, pretty much anything we can do to make this a better listening experience for you, the diehard Rockets fan. Once again, the happy final from Salt Lake City tonight, Rockets 96, Jazz 85. Rockets are now 47-13 and 13 on the year, winners of 13 in a row, remain in the top slot in the Western Conference, best record in the NBA, home court throughout the playoffs, if the season were to end today. Folks, how sweet it is. Happy Tuesday, and we'll be talking again on Wednesday evening when the Rockets get ready for the L.A. Clippers at Staples Center. Until then, folks, have a good night.